0: Hi, this is Amrita Sukumar and I'm bringing to you this podcast called Unsettling. Look around you. Everyone is trying to create their own story. Make a tiny change in someone's life by just following their passion and in turn, inspiring the others to follow suit. This podcast brings to you stories of people who have defied the definition of settled set by the society and have created their own. They have found happiness in their version of settling. That was yours. Nature alone is antique, and the oldest art, a mushroom. Today's guest is the co-founder of Nuvedu, a Mushroom Lovers Haven. She's a philosophy graduate who changed careers and decided to enroll in a permaculture course after discovering the therapeutic and healing benefits of mushrooms, as well as wanting to start a startup that was more aligned to her values. She facilitated in the founding of two startups in the cybersecurity and bioengineering sectors before shifting her focus to her passion for mushrooms. To know more about Nuvedu, cultivating mushrooms and her journey, please help me welcome Prithvi Kinney. Hi Prithvi, (laughs) Namaste.
1: Hi Amrita, Namaste to you too. Super happy to be here, very excited
0: i am excited to have you on the uh, unsettling podcast why why is it called uh, Namush namaste is it
1: yeah i mean it's just a take on namaste of course uh-huh. but uh, if if a fellow mushroom was a mushroom lover was going to greet another one it would uh-huh. be namaste oh makes so, sense yeah i guess that makes two <laughs> mushroom enthusiasts
0: yes. <laughs> So I, I just want to know from philosophy to bioengineering, cybersecurity and now Nuvedu, how has the journey been so far? So um well it's been uh well a lot of
1: like learning and unlearning, I would say. I think um, what I guess, um, you know, coming from a philosophy background, and and I chose that quite willingly when I was at the crossroads of, you know, high school, having to probably go into engineering or medicine or law. um, These were the three options that were proposed for me. But I think um, why I also chose philosophy was because I I genuinely felt like it gave me, um, you know, a new landscape to be, uh, you know, to open up. And I guess, choose from various things that I possibly didn't really want to choose at that time. Mm -hmm. And it gives you like a framework to learn and unlearn. And I think, of course, now we talk about unlearning and all of that. But when you actually truly study, you know, so many schools of thought, you learn about life in itself. I guess it gives you that opportunity to say, um, you know, go out there, be brave, see what you have and absorb everything that you can in the most, you know, um, sincere way possible. Because uh, the I guess one of the fundamental things about philosophy is to say that in that moment, you believe that what you are debating or what you are learning about is real. So, and then you proceed, right? So whether it was bioengineering or, you know, cyber security, moving in from that into cyber security was about saying, look, I have a new blank slate in front of me, and I have all the opportunity to learn. And um, you know, flood my brains into those patterns and those understandings of what it could be. So I think um, it kind of also tells you that, I guess, at the end of everything, I mean, no matter if you, I mean, you're a scientist, or uh, if you're a journalist, or, you know, you're a doctor, there is philosophy at the end of everything, right? Some of the greatest scientists as well were philosophers, because that creates no boundaries, that creates no barriers of, you know learning. So. I think um, uh, the journey has been a lot of uh, up you know learning, unlearning, mm-hmm. de- deconstructing, coming back uh, but I think working in a startup space like from the beginning I think I decided that I wanted to be in small organizations because that's when you can actually you know put in your ideas, see yeah. them through, um, understand the impact and actually uh, create value out of it. So Uh, The journey to Novedo was inevitable, I would say. (laughs) I I don't see any other (laughs) way to it. But um, I think it also has brought me back to um, a a place that I I personally also feel very strongly about, nature, food. Um, I'm also a yoga teacher, by the way. I do that from um, some five to nine in the morning. And I think all these things kind of culminated in a space where I think I was able to say this modality of science in mycology seems very interesting to me It's challenging and it has um a lot of like you know esoteric parts to it that have you know have also you know taken me back to my uh, science education in high school but also uh has you know kind of brought a newness to everything so I think the journey has has been very interesting okay. and um I, like I said, it's inevitable. I think when you go into tech and you see the deep end of cybersecurity, like, so when, by the way, uh, so cybersecurity, I was in something in a field of quantum physics. Yeah, yeah. So where you actually are looking at even the fundamental, you know, um, atom of life or you're looking at light as two, a duality. So I think when you see all of that and at the end of the day, you're saying, okay, all this is great. Tech is amazing. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, you know, you have to eat, you have to survive, you have to do things that will perhaps create value in this world. Okay. And I think for me, um, uh, food, and also, um, you know, looking at nature in a very, like, deconstructed way was very interesting in my college. So I think uh, inevitably has nice. landed.
0: Oh, yeah. So I think everything was interconnected, right? Uh, it started with a thought, then you learned how to break down things when it came to quantum physics. And then you uh, yeah. went into yoga. You like you learned the meaning of life. <laughs> now you came into mushrooms and uh, tried to connect everything. So yeah, it's been a journey. And yes, I was about to ask you that you chose philosophy despite having those three typical options out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's a plus, yes.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think I was very uh, firm about it because I, I saw my entire batch, you know, do the Engineering, MBA yeah. route, or medical, blah blah. You know the the usual right. stuff. That and I said, is this? Are you serious? Is this the only options that we have? I mean, I don't. I refuse to believe it. So, um, I think I I think that was one of the best decisions I perhaps have taken in my life so far. The rest are a consequence of that. But I think a lot of what I have done is because of that. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, of, I especially I, at that age. Correct. Because, I mean, as you grow older, you figure out and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> but at that age, you have to say that I don't want to do these things.
0: Correct. So, yeah. That's definitely a plus. I agree. I saw philosophy and I'm like, oh my God, that's actually different. And you took that decision back then. My uh, mind blowing. So um, I wanted to know why mushrooms? Like why not anything else? What got you interested in uh, researching about mushrooms?
1: <laughs> right. So I think, um, you know, Of course, like I said, um, I was interested in like natural ecosystems and I went on to do a permaculture design course and I was Mm -hmm. interested in like growing food and looking at them like more at a macro level. Mm -hmm. But I think at the core, I mean, while that was, you know, brewing, at the core of it, mushrooms were there, right? They were around and, and they had this very esoteric aspect to it where, They don't fit any buckets they are not necessarily they don't behave like plants Mm -hmm. they're not part of the animal kingdom people have very mixed views about it there seemed to be a lot of like you know a mystery around it right so um that's where that's what actually piqued my interest i said you know why are these guys so unique what's you know what makes them different they started cultivating them started looking at them more like on a you know as a nutritious source Mm -hmm. and i think um I mean, just to, while I said, you know, these are all the, like the good things about them, they may feed you, but at the end of the day, they also do a bunch of other things. They, they, you know, they can kill you too. Yeah. Uh, they have, you know, uh, they can <laughs> clothe you because a lot of the materials that come from mushrooms are, you know, now used as sustainable sources of, um, you know, um, a material. And they have a lot of healing properties that people don't know about. So I think there were many things about it. I wouldn't say just one thing, but I think they are in a philosophical sense, if I have to answer that, they're like a bridge between life and death. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are fungi, they grow on decaying Mm -hmm. organic matter, but they're also there Mm -hmm. at the beginning and end of life. So I think all these things said and done, when you look at the entire thing, there was this very interesting aspect of uh, their entire life cycle in evolution and unspoken about um benefits if I want to call it that um I think that's what really piqued me to get into it deeper and say let's let's you know go down this rabbit hole and I guess it was a rabbit hole I haven't uh, moved out of it but um it's 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 still like I would say every day is a new discovery and there's so much to learn Um, it doesn't end there's so so many kinds of mushrooms There's so many kinds of um, you know ways to look at it ways to cultivate and in a country like India um, with so many people being protein deficient uh, and like you know it's a very wonderful source of nutrition that we can actually look at Uh, surprisingly also this was a phase when uh, the COVID uh, you know thing was going on and all of this uh, pandemic stuff Uh, from a post-apocalyptic say we were to all die and or like there were just few people left on the planet it's a wonderful way to actually grow food because they don't require much sunlight they can be grown indoors they grow on materials that would otherwise be considered waste for example (laughs) they can grow on predominantly anything which I probably will get to in a bit but all these things, you know, so there's this, like, I guess it's a very integrative, like, perspective on how I've looked at mushrooms. And that's why they seem to be a space, which I love to be a part of, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah. that's how.
0: Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, like, I was, I was reading about it. This is the first time I got interested in mushrooms, because, um, right. like, honestly, to be honest, we don't make mushrooms at home. No, no one does. Right, like, right. We- and then uh, when i read about it i was very surprised that one it is protein dense uh, it helps with a lot of diseases as well and at the same time um, you know as you said it is easier to grow and cultivate at home by yourself if you are trained enough a little you require minimal training to grow it as well mm-hmm. so at least um, for yeah so- i mean for
1: the most basic ones it's very easy yeah. so you don't have to think about it that like it's not ultra complicated but like having said that, you know, there are like so many types of them and each right. of them require their own.
0: Yeah. So when <laughs> I, mean, I went down the rabbit hole, is what I was trying to say. that I was reading, I mean like, right. oh, this is never ending. <laughs> right. So I understand where you came from. So um, you know, as as I was saying, the there's there's a lot to know about mushrooms there are there are a lot yeah. of medicinal properties so can you tell the listeners about the same any any particular type of mushroom that you would like to talk about
1: right so um you know to answer this question i think um maybe i'll talk more from like a compound level you know organic compound level because a lot of mushrooms have different properties there are you know different ways in which they can heal you but Um, So predominantly, you know, there are a lot of active compounds that are, you know, there in the mushroom, but there are three, you know, core um, ingredients or like compounds, organic compounds that we speak about when we talk about uh, medicine mushrooms. The Mm -hmm. first being polysaccharides. These essentially help in immunomodulating effects in our body and say someone's immune system is, you know, very, um, I say is underactive it needs to be boosted. Or someone has a very hyperactive immune system that needs to come down, say a lot of allergies. So this helps in modulating. It's not just going to boost it, it's going to bring a very uh, intense immune system low and a very weak immune system high. So it creates right. this set of balance in the body. So this is what polysaccharides do. And interestingly, uh, a mushroom, you know, um, a lot of the anti-cancer properties that are there in mushroom are from these polysaccharides beta glucans to be specific so that's one mm-hmm. the second is uh terpenes these are another class of compounds these compounds help with the central nervous system for example your um anxiety sleep um you know uh, things that are responsible for your nervous system to just kind of either calm down or you know get uh, you know aroused so um lions main mushroom i we have actually a mushroom growing kit on that it's it's <laughs> this white fluffy not fluffy, but like thread-like mushroom that has been known to help nerve cells grow back. It's one of the only few compounds present in nature that actually can help nerve cells grow back. And a lot of dementia and Alzheimer's patients are now using this mushroom, you know, for cognitive and other, you know, functions. So this is the terpenes. And the third class of compounds that I like to talk about is phenolics. Mm-hmm. So phenolics are like, you can think of them as antioxidant. Uh, or anti inflammatory aiding uh, molecules they help with anti aging uh, skin radiance basically remove all the free radicals you know in your body and if you do um, you know uh, look at phenolics it's basically present almost in all all mushrooms but it's it can be tapped into and these are the properties that people look at while you know trying to cultivate of course apart from these three very high in dietary fiber really good for the gut like one of the big properties is if you're looking for more fiber in your diet mushrooms are really good for that and I think one of the things that I personally feel is that as a protein source uh, so suppose you're a vegetarian and you obviously don't eat uh, you don't eat eggs or I think there are a lot of essential amino acids that you lose because you don't eat these meat mm. sources right? right so mushrooms actually have a lot of these amino acids that com- give you a complete protein uh, you know nutritious source so, so this is like i mean i want to say just perhaps 10 percent of you know the yeah. or like okay fine not 10 percent but 30 percent of uh some of the medicinal properties and within each mushroom there are a bunch of different properties that you know they're used for so i, I mean long story short is that they're really good for you. And they also have, each mushroom has its own unique value. Okay. It's like, if you were to eat just button mushroom, mm-hmm. you're perhaps eating just the potato of the vegetable kingdom. Okay, I mean, the <laughs> vegetable, uh, you know, section, it's, it's like saying you're just eating potato. You haven't eaten a beetroot. You haven't eaten palak. You haven't, you haven't explored all the other vegetables that you have. So just like right. that in the fungi, in the, you know, in the mushroom space, Uh, A butter mushroom is just one kind of mushroom. There are so many types and they have wonderful ways to, you know,
0: eat them, cook
1: them. So,
0: yeah. Nice. And uh, the medicinal properties that you spoke of, this is just by just eating it normally, right? Cooking and eating. You don't have to kind of extract their properties in any way.
1: Yeah, so good question. I mean, of course, some of them you can just eat. Like I said, lion's mane, uh, you know, shiitake mushroom, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the oyster varieties, these you can just see. There are some mushrooms that you can't just. Eat. You have to extract it, and you know get some of these properties, and that's why also people, um, you know, don't know or don't have access to. And that's something we're doing also at Novedo, where we're working on extracts for some of these mushrooms that people would have otherwise not had access to. <laughs> so yeah, oh, good question.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, right. So what is the story behind the name Novedo?
1: Ah, okay. So, um, fungi have been around for a long, long time. They were there before we existed. They'll continue to be there, whether Amrita or I are, you know, in this this earth. But the idea is that we are not, you know, it's not that we're doing something extraordinary. We're just bringing a new perspective Mm -hmm. to something that has been around for a very long time. So, new plus vedo. So, it's like new vedo so a new a new perspective to something which has been around for really really long it's just it's mm-hmm. it's traditional knowledge it's things that have you know been there in the past and we're just providing a new perspective on something that already exists so okay. um, also uh, comes from the root word naivedyam or food of the gods right. so yeah so that's we started with naivedyam and then we transitioned into we wanted to have something with
0: you know that kind of oh yeah uh, it got a zazzy <laughs> name as well <laughs> so, yeah no, that's, that's how it
1: goes
0: okay so as you said you help uh, people cultivate as well cultivate mushrooms as well yeah. so can you tell us about the process of cultivating mushrooms and uh, the kind of grow kits that you offer
1: right okay. So, um, you know, when you're cultivating in a lab, it pro- it has four steps to it. But what we do at the grow kit level is we give them the last step. So they don't have to do all the other steps that perhaps require certain infrastructure, certain environment and things like that. Hmm. So the process is, um, you know, mushroom cultivation literally starts with the mushroom itself. Correct. So you take a piece of a mushroom and you put it in a nutritive medium like an agar and you let it, Kind of form, you know, mycelium on that regard. So it's like a plate, and from that. So this is done in a lab under very sterile conditions. It has, you know, clean air. It's it has because the idea is you don't want other fungus to contaminate it, right? If fung- I mean, if COVID has taught us anything, uh, it's it definitely aided in the processes of mushroom cultivation. So uh, you put it on a a certain nutritive media, once it grows, then you transfer it into a slightly more nutritious media, which Mm -hmm. is say grains, okay, Okay. grains. So this, this process is basically spawn or the mushroom seed. So it's gone from less nutrition to more nutrition, which is uh, a grain, a packet of grain. And then it it kind of, you know, uses, eats up all that nutrition or it colonizes. The word is colonized. It goes over that nutrition and Mm -hmm. it stays there. So that's the spawn. That's a mushroom seed. Now what you do is you take these little pieces of grain and you put it in a larger nutrition media like a substrate. So okay. a substrate could be anything from wood to um, straw to paper to cardboard. And that depends on the mushroom. It depends on what the mushroom likes to eat. So what you're doing is you essentially feeding the mycelium at different, different stages. And okay. then you're finally giving it uh, at this final stage with this uh, you know mix of nutrition and that's what forms the the grow kit so you would see that there's it's a kit right it has all the nutrition required for uh-huh. the mycelium to grow mm-hmm. and it's ready to produce mushroom so at okay. this stage the, the mycelium has taken over and has absorbed all the nutrition mm-hmm. and it's it's ready to produce mushrooms okay. once you give it the right condition for example you give it water you open up the surface it says oh okay I have to produce mushroom now because I have all the nutrition I'm ready so I produce Mm -hmm. mushroom that's essentially where we have the kids and what we've tried to do is we've tried to make the whole process easy for people to actually cultivate mushrooms at home and have Mm -hmm. you know uh, an easy because one of the biggest things is convenience right people want to feel in life people just (laughs) want to be convenient for them so The idea is that you reach a stage and then the kits are easy to put at home. All you have to do is spray water and within like 10 to 15 days, you'll have mushrooms growing from it depending on the mushroom. So um, yeah, so that's where the grow kits are. And the grow kits, we have, you know, about now a various, like maybe four to five oyster varieties and we have a lion's mane mushroom, which is one of the medicine mushrooms. And um, these can be cultivated at home using this particular framework. Mm -hmm. Not all mushrooms can be cultivated using a kit. These are the ones that possibly can, uh, but not all. So we try to give as many as can be cultivated for consumers uh, and make it easy. Mm -hmm. There are some obviously ultra enthusiastic, you know, gardening people or like people who are into it. So Mm -hmm. we have, we made these things called a DIY kit where they can do the whole thing themselves and they can get a large quantity of mushrooms. so suppose they said that oh my god the grow kit is giving me you know fairly a small quantity i want to have a large quantity they can do it themselves Mm -hmm. we give them all the material we give them the mushroom seed and then they put it together okay so yeah that's
0: so um like assuming i get a mushroom kit how long will i be uh, able to cultivate mushrooms using that kit duration
1: yeah, so you can, get, so we guarantee one harvest, hmm. but we've seen customers get like five harvests from the kit. For example, every 10 days or oh. every 15 days, it will produce the next harvest. Oh. So, the, for example, obviously in summer when things are very dry, we see like maybe two harvests max. But during monsoon, we've seen like customers go up to five harvests. So Ooh. the duration, you can, you can think about it like that. From every say 10 day cycles, you'll get one flush of mushroom. You have to just harvest it from the kit and Mm -hmm. eat it and then again, spray water. So then the second cycle starts.
0: Nice. So also, I have one more question Uh, as a layman. So (laughs) so you said that you create this uh, kit that is ready to go, right? And you just need to maybe uh, open it up and spray water so that the mushrooms start growing. So how long can you keep that in a dormant state? The kit.
1: (laughs) Right. So um, I think, I can answer this a little differently. You Mm -hmm. can keep it up to two months, two to three months, but maybe in a, maybe weather like this, like maybe now, right in Uh India, it's right now it's about dry and maybe summer is approaching in the South. So Mm -hmm. you could keep it dormant, but if you keep it dormant like this in say monsoon, Mm -hmm. it may just fruit inside. Right. so we've seen many uh, customers who went on a holiday and we've told them like in monsoon we tell them look guys the conditions are very optimal for mushrooms to Mm -hmm. you know come out even if you don't do anything they might start to you know push themselves out so you can say in a humid climate it would probably you know not last that long but say in this climate you can keep it for about two months
0: okay okay that answers all my questions for this one um so i just yeah. wanted to ask you why do you uh, like what is the idea behind helping everyone grow mushrooms in their houses
1: right one of the biggest points there is the shelf life you so know. a lot of the mushrooms that why do we not see those many mushrooms right in the market it's because their shelf lives are so low that mm-hmm. by the time you really package it and you send it to, to a departmental store or you know wherever, it's probably become squishy. People don't like the smell. It starts mm-hmm. to become something that already is an association with fungus. Like for example, um, I mean, a, a question is that a lot of people don't eat mushrooms because they think that it grows on decaying organic matter. It, it represents you know something dirty. Yeah. But I think. A lot of the, you know, the constructs that we have in our brains comprise of uh, um, things that we're told, right? Or conditioning that we are believed in. Correct. So to break a lot of those like biases and conditionings, and also what I we feel is uh, mycophobia like it's just random phobia, which has a lot of irrational thought around it. We wanted people to start growing them at home so that they could understand them just like they would understand plants. Or maybe they could just see them and see the process of what it takes. They see the nutrition. They see that they're just pouring water on it. It's completely organic. There's no chemical involved. There's nothing dirty about it. In fact, it's super sterile. If not, you know, um, so that was one of the big reasons of making you know ensuring that people would understand the organism better so mm-hmm. growing them at home and the second like i said is the shelf life if you really want to taste mushrooms in a fresh in like you want to actually feel the taste of it the best way to do it is to actually grow them mm-hmm. uh, no matter what people may say about you know getting mushrooms to you it it is it's a fragile um organism by the end of the time by the by the time it actually reaches you it's probably not going to be as nice as it is which is why also a wonderful way to have them is like i mean at least for say farms to give them to a store is by dehydrating them so Mm -hmm. if you dehydrate them and you give them and people then can also consume them in a a, you know in a different way so these two points and of course i think the last point would also be that to create a network of people who have an appreciation of fungi and, you know, build um, different um, perspectives on how they grow in our climate. For example, mm-hmm. today we're only, we're predominantly only growing button mushrooms, not yeah. because it's easy. Not because it's, you know, not because it's just because it was the first mushroom that was ever cultivated in India. And that's it's like a chicken and egg story, right? So people build big factories and then they started flooding the market with button mushrooms. Mm -hmm. But that's not necessarily the easiest way. And a lot of the technology and the innovations that have come in the mushroom space globally have been from people growing them. Like you and me, or like, for example, for example, if you were to start growing mushrooms, maybe you'll find something that I didn't know about and mm-hmm. working with ingredients that are available locally to you. So I think, um, all these factors put together, uh, is one of the very big reasons we wanted people to grow them. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think, okay, one more point. I think one of the, one more reason is because, um, why should nuvedo do everything right like for example why not why not get more people to get into it and create a network so uh, a, a good way to actually have people feel empowered about their own food is by making them grow it right. and if you if you have control over that then i think you have control over a lot of things in your life so mm. um, philosophically that way i think uh, <laughs> it's a big thing of what we do at nuvedo we want to integrate more people and have a lot, a large community of people working together, rather than just one person being at the helm of you know mushroom cultivation. So I think, um, yeah, that that's a bit about where we stand on that.
0: <laughs> okay, interesting. Um, Okay, so this is actually very interesting to know that, you know, uh, I thought uh, I, I, that is the first thought that came to my head. Because when I remember mushrooms coming into the market and uh, people buying them and cooking them, my mom had this very idea that you told me that it's growing on DK. So why should we, you know, eat mushrooms? Her first thought was, uh, we used to see them while playing, right, in the gardens and parks. So she always keeps telling me. Is, is that that mushroom that they're using in food that the ones that grow uh, you know near right. the we can't eat all that so yeah it's it definitely helps to know um what where it comes from and to know the medicinal properties and to know more about mushrooms so that we can actually break the stereotypes and the mentality and get more people on board <laughs> so um i i wanted to ask you like um as you said you have a particular setup where you create these right. grow kits and uh, there's like a lab environment in which you set this up is it possible for maybe um, people to just grow it from scratch in in another environment at home uh, without the the grow kits is that a thing
1: so people can grow at home for mm-hmm. sure if they have substrate, but they still need the mushroom seeds, right? Or the spawn. The spawn. Okay. Uh, so that the manufacturing of spawn requires a very sterile environment. It uh-huh. has to be sterile. But once they have the seeds or the spawn, they can grow at home. I mm-hmm. mean, they just have to maintain certain protocols and that's something to teach in our mushroom cultivation workshops where okay. we, we tell them, you know, the do's and don'ts, the ways to do that. And, and I think that's very much doable. In fact, we have a large... Uh, you know community of our customers who actually buy spawn from us on a regular basis and they have their own farms they have their own setups and they are growing uh, mushrooms on a large scale so we supply to many farms across india for example in hyderabad in bangalore um, and you just have to they just need the seed but to manufacture the seed you require very sterile So we do have a lab and we do have all the, you know, the protocols in place and things like that, but Mm -hmm. to manage, to actually grow at home. And if you were someone who just wanted to set up a small mini farm in your, say your backyard or something, it's very much doable. Um, It's not that it's inaccessible and it's, you know, very high tech, none of that, but you just have to know the parameters. You have to understand the temperatures. You have to understand the mushroom. So the best way to learn about this is actually putting your hands into it and learning about the mushroom itself, because Mm -hmm. every mushroom requires different conditions, requires different tech. Um, uh, Tech is one word to put it, but for example, like the mediums on which mushrooms grow, they could be something from sawdust to straw to organic matter, any organic matter. Basically, they need a carbon and a nitrogen source and you can apply. permutation or a recipe of that is what will give it a good yield so um yeah i think it's very much something that people can do and it's not very it doesn't require a group kit i mean of course the group kit is a convenient way but you can definitely do it uh, from scratch
0: Oh yeah. So I it's like is it as as complicated as growing plants? Because I understand that there are trials and errors and sometimes you might kill the plant. So does that happen with mushrooms? <laughs> as well?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think I think everything is is a process and you will fail. I think you have to fail once to know that you what you made miss you can't succeed always. Right. I mean, we hope that people will succeed always, but Assume that you might fail once because that failure will teach you a lot about your own environment. And that's something that I can't tell you sitting in Bangalore, but you have to actually grow it and see okay, are my windows clean? Is there some air outlet that's bringing in some contamination? Why is all my brags getting contaminated? So, yeah, failure is inevitable. And I think the minute we accept that, I think that's when things get interesting because we're okay to fail. We're okay to fail once. And say, this is, ah, these are the things that perhaps made, you know, made a issue in my process. And now I I have the, I have the knowledge to take it forward. So, uh, yeah, plants also, I think plants. So the thing about mushrooms is they don't require sunlight,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, which is a good thing compared to plants. Because in plants, different plants, you have to really make sure that they don't dry up. Uh, Mm -hmm. you're putting enough peat, things like that. Here, once you make that recipe bag Mm -hmm. and you give it humidity, it'll produce. The only thing you'll have to worry about is if your area is not clean. But in plants, some plants, you know, you have to move them around, big dry up. So sunlight is not an issue. Like you don't have to worry about sunlight at all. Mm -hmm. So that is where the, I guess, the success factor becomes a little higher. So, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how many trials and errors did you have to go through before, you know, you uh, fight? A lot,
1: a lot. lot. I mean, we've gone from... So, of course, when we first started, we were doing it in the house and we had, like, a full room allocated to this, the bathroom, all of that. Started from, like, cutting the straw with scissors and making a mess with the hands being all contaminated and, you know, going through... Maybe like once we've probably, while we were in the process, may have spoken and like, or like touched something and then the bags got contaminated, but you only find out three weeks later. Uh So you have to throw like 15 bags or like 20 bags. So, I mean, I guess I have had my fair share, let's say of failure, Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: but uh, I think uh, that's when we were like, oh, we need to have a facility, a lab. We need to make sure that all these things are put in place. And this is all of course, when we were just, you know, trying out the cultivation process before uh, Niveda officially started. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's a process. And I think you learn the most from um, actually being with the organism, actually working with the organism. That's when you you understand its quirks, its behavior, what it does in these situations. So yeah, a lot of failure, but a good, I think failure is good. I think it yeah. always teaches you something. So
0: I I guess it helped you fine-tune this now. Now you're like experts in the field, so right. <laughs> uh so okay, I, so- I would I would
1: I would actually not use the word expert because I feel <laughs> like um like I said, we all call ourselves just amateurs because there's so much to learn. It's very mm-hmm. un um you know, it's very it's still a space which is still mm-hmm. evolving. So we're still learning every day. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that's where this whole uh, and you know, space of mycology, and this is globally. I'm not mm-hmm. just saying from an yeah. Indian context, I think globally, um, the ethos is that there's so much to still learn about this space. So, I guess we're all still, you know, still
0: learning. <laughs> <out>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, from my understanding, Novedu uh, has been. Uh, having foraging walks as well. I've, I've just read about it. So how has that experience been? You know, how are you able to differentiate between the poisonous and edible variants? What do you do on those walks?
1: Right, right. So um, one of the best, like I said, one of the best ways to learn about mushrooms is to see them in the wild and also, you know, see them in nature. And um, we wanted people to start, you know, becoming aware of them. Okay, growing one aspect, but seeing them in the natural environment, especially in urban ecosystems. Because you think, oh, maybe mushrooms are perhaps like in the jungles or in the forest. So uh, we worked with experts, um, Hari Indian Toad toadstool. To he uh, you know has been spent a lot of time. Uh, identifying mushrooms on various groups. He's seen them in, you know, the natural ecosystem. And of course, over time, how identification works, it's, I guess, again, a continuous learning process. But um, we, there are different tools to identify them. For example, there are, you know, ways in which the gill, so I suppose this is the mushroom cap and this is the stem, the ways in which the gill attach, the stem attaches to the cap or the the different ways in which the patterns of the gills are. So there are, for example, there's just, that's just like maybe one or two, you know, features or parameters that I've mentioned, but there are various ways to identify and, a, and it's a, it's a full blown skill. Like it's not, I mean, it's not a skill that I, perhaps have, but um, we have, you know, people in our team who are also very, very uh, adept at this. It requires a different kind of eye. It requires a different kind of practice. So -hmm. it requires um, not just seeing specimens, you know, that are around you, but also going on the internet and like studying them, looking at their morphology, um, understanding different, you know, sub classifications of it. So, Uh, On walks, what we do is we educate people of the mushrooms that are available, I mean, or or around, say, in Carbon Park or Lal Park in Bangalore. Mm -hmm. And we've done walks which are outstation where we go with experts and we have, you know, like I said, this community of mycologists and not mycologists, but like mycophiles, I want to call it, people who are crazy about mushrooms, is very strong. So there's always people who will come with us or there are people who will join the walks and, um, you know, we're also there. So uh, I think all said and done, it's not, not, I guess it's a collective effort rather than just one person, you know, giving the the knowledge. But um, the idea is that it's been very interesting because a lot of people in the city have like changed their perspectives immensely. I've seen... Um, you know, over the last two, one and a half, two years that people have come back saying, <clears throat> my lives have changed after this because mm-hmm. they just didn't know that this was a part of nature that, you know, it was not just looked at. Right. Plants are always around and they just never had the experience of it. So I've seen people transition from, I don't eat mushrooms, mushrooms are gross to coming on our walks and then cultivating eating mushrooms and mm-hmm. now, you know, pretty into it because they've also said that, they, they're all like, I mean, these are all vegetarians also, they mentioned that they were able to get a lot of the health became better, their quality of life. So, I mean, this is one or two examples, I'm not generalizing, but hmm. uh, these are adults, but even with kids, right, we work with kids as well. And I think across age groups, it's a sense of wonder because you're trying to look beneath the crevices of, um, you know, logs, or you have to like, you know, really crouch down and go underneath rock Uh or you know a zoom into a very um for example when you zoom into that world uh so this is you know a bark of a tree you you perhaps won't even notice that little mushroom which is hardly a centimeter long Uh and you zoom into a world and you see it from that perspective so I think there's a sense of wonder there's a sense of awe there's also a sense of you know, Eureka, when you find mushrooms, it's almost like a hunt, because they, they, they're they always hiding. They're not like, you know, out there. You have mm-hmm. to actually search for them. So the foraging walks are a mix of all these emotions, and that's what actually makes them very exciting and, uh, you know, fun oh, to do, no. but also educational. And um, yeah, so we also do, so to complement this walk, to answer your question a little more deeper, is that we also do these online courses like it's a masterclass mm-hmm. where it equips you it's about four and a half to five hours long in across two weekends where people are equipped with all the tools that they require for identification mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot of people naturalists people come from various backgrounds to study about this as because it is it requ- And this is just a beginner course mm-hmm. so there are ways that we also try to supplement that you know the the knowledge that we give on works with, say, the theory that is required to actually be good at what it is. Okay. So, yeah.
0: <clears throat> oh, nice. Um. Like- Of course, the emotions that you have expressed are something that uh, takes you into a different world altogether. But um, like I had one small doubt based on a conversation that we've been having so far. You said that, uh, you know, there's a particular environment that is created for the mushroom so that other fungi don't contaminate it. So when uh, you go foraging, isn't it possible because it's in a natural environment? Isn't it possible that the edible variants also have some kind of contamination and then that can't be used for um, like... Like we can't eat those uh, variants. Is that the case? Not really. So there's no thumb rule about that because, right. for, for
1: example, where are you going foraging, right? Like hmm. if you're going foraging um, in a jungle, hmm. the chances of it actually growing in its right environment is high. A, first is that. Right. Second is it would not fruit or it would not survive if it was contaminated. If there was another organism that was competing for nutrition, it would perhaps not fruit. It would not okay. come up to its. The fact that it has beaten the odds and you know survived through all of that means that it is it is good. It's good to go, and there's nothing wrong with it. But having said that, again, the environment on where it grows is very important. For example, uh, I would not recommend people eating mushrooms um, that are say in a public park. Or perhaps, you know, there are thousands of people and dogs and a lot of things that, you know, you don't want to have access to, as opposed to having it in your backyard and, you know, growing them in a way that you can control. So, edibility is a whole different, like, ball game when it comes to identification. Uh, one thing that we love to do as humans is that if we see something, we want to eat it. <laughs> now, we can also just let it be there and exist as it is, but we want to eat it. So... The entire con the entire like chapter of edibility has its own uh rules, and mm-hmm. there are certain like procedures you can't just you know do that. So, um, yeah, I mean. Mushrooms grow for themselves. A We eat, we eating it is a second part of it. Good. But uh, again, like I said, edibility it depends on the place. It depends on how it's grown, all of that. And also one in the wild, unless you've correctly identified it. And by correctly identifying, I mean, um, you know, knowing that the species that is growing is the one that you're looking for. Yeah. You should not ever eat a mushroom
0: that you don't identify yeah Yeah, okay we don't want an into the wild situation for sure
1: exactly
0: exactly. (laughs) okay so um like any any uh do you think that there are any other species of fungi or any other vegetables that can be grown in controlled environments which you would like to expand into is that is that something you're looking at
1: So um, no more vegetables, but I think from a mushroom perspective, we are, you know, um, we're working with many kinds of mushrooms. So there are about uh, 2000 species of documented mushrooms, edible or medicinal, that can be grown, cultivated. Currently, we're working with about, say, I want to say 15 to 20 of them. But we have croquets, you know, only in a few species. But like I said, all these mushrooms are... Because you have to understand how they grow, it takes time, they fruit all of that. We are working with mushrooms, like, and and why we're working with them is because, like I said, we're working on extracts. Mm -hmm. And the reason we really, you know, are passionate about extracts is because that's perhaps the best way. To consume the mushroom and get all its benefits Hmm. say you know some person is allergic to something or someone doesn't like the texture here you're getting the clean extract where you get all the benefits from the mushroom without actually you know having other issues that perhaps come with texture or taste so we're working on this mushroom called the reishi mushroom it's also Hmm. called ganoderma lucidum which is the herb of immortality in china Okay. It has a huge, you know, bunch of benefits in traditional Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, Shitake mushroom, a turkey tail, and um, in the future we hope to also work with this mushroom called cordyceps, but not right now. So okay. in the pipeline, you can think of this: no vegetables, it just is. just fungi, just mushrooms. But <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So, nice. Interesting. So, um, any any words of wisdom that you would like to pass on from your journey as an entrepreneur? right, uh,
1: words of wisdom, I don't know if I guess one thing could just be that uh, I guess don't be scared. I think uh, it's the most basic thing that we're taught to be you know, cautious as kids or you know, people telling you not to do certain things. So I think not being scared is where everything starts. The rest is just a manifestation of fear. um and that's so that's one thing and the second thing perhaps could be, um, you know just to go at it you know believe in your idea and believe that you have made the right decision on what you want to do because and no one should tell you otherwise because you, your thought process will create its own path and you never know where that path may lead you so don't I mean digressing and feeling like you know you're derailed because of certain things people say is perhaps the worst thing you, they can do to yourself because it's also again instilling fear in you so um yeah I mean like I said everything comes from that or uh, finally it's just to not be scared and you know <laughs> just uh just say it's okay what's the worst that could happen I'm not gonna die right so yeah. it's fine
0: oh that's yeah. nice that's a beautiful uh thought um so I'm I'm just going to come to the final question this is a question that I ask everybody and uh, you've already broken the norms by getting into philosophy but still so uh, what does the phrase being settled mean to you
1: right so I think being settled firstly is is a construct that we created for mm-hmm. ourselves as humans or as this you know as as our conditioning has to it has evolved, but if I had to answer it, I think it would just be to be at peace with yourself in the current moment, mm-hmm. and to know that whatever you have made a choice with, or whatever you are currently, um, you know, compelled or compelled to do, or are drawn to, is okay. And then I think being easy with yourself and always just saying that, you know, it's okay, and it's calm, and this moment is all I have, and I know that right now I have made the right decision. So I think uh, that's for me being settled, it feels like it is moment to moment. And it is about just saying, today is a good day. Today is, you know, it's it is what it is. And um, I'm at peace with myself. So I think uh, that to me is being settled, it is not, it isn't putting um, any words that we create or, first of all, maybe even if we're not, this word settled is even like, a construct that we created so i think just being at calm at, at a at, at a complete sense of calm and ease with yourself uh, no matter what those things may be around you um is the one the most liberating way of being settled so i think yeah
0: yeah, nice i'm uh, definitely at peace today because i've learned so much about novedo, about mushrooms about all the benefits and i've heard your story thank you so much for coming on the podcast i had so much fun talking to you thank you thank you so reason. much
1: amrita for having me it was wonderful and i think you also brought out a lot of like you know like i said i think you also took me through my own thought process so it was really like wonderful to talk to you today and i think uh, yeah thank you for having me
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I would just like to tell the listeners so they have a blog yeah. and an FAQ also on their website, which I'll be adding the links. So just in case you have like, we have not covered certain points, you can go through it. And it's very well detailed, very well written. So uh, you will be able to, um, you know, know more about cultivation and mushrooms and whatnot. Um, also, um, I, I think we can we can add links to your workshops and everything so that people can get in touch with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do a bunch of workshops. We have all the
1: information out there on our blogs. Um, You know, we've got tons of information on the Instagram page as well. So feel free to explore and learn something new about mushrooms.
0: Yeah, we shall do so. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, if you can hear this, that means you have reached the end of the episode. So like. Share, subscribe, follow, stay tuned to Unsettling. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can always reach out to me on my Instagram page, amritasukumar underscore unsettling, or send me an email on podcast.unsettling.as at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Bye.